Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I give honor to the Lord on today. Amen. I give honor to, amen, my beloved wife, my co-laborer in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. She like that, huh? Hallelujah. Did some new. Amen. Hallelujah. I thank you. I just I just thank God for his goodness on today. Amen. Amen. Um, I read something last night and it said that 80% of ministers, amen, will stop. Amen. Within five years of starting. Amen. So it just makes me, it made me appreciate eight years of being a pastor, but just not only that, just being on the battlefield for as long as I have. Amen. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. Amen. I thank God for the spirit that's in the house on today. Amen. And I just hope and I pray that this word blesses you on today. Amen. We are going to continue with our series on inheritance. Amen. And God has given me the title of mishandled. Amen. Mishandled. And so very quickly, I want to, I got to, I got to set it up. I want to if you're not a Bible scholar, like I'm going to have the scriptures up there for you to write down and go home and read in your time. Because I know everybody takes time out to read during the week because they love the Lord so much. Amen. I know that they do. So I know that y'all are going to have time to go and read these these scriptures. Amen. And so um, the Lord just gave me this subject. Amen. Because. I just look at all the ways that he has blessed us, all the things that he's done for us. And oftentimes we just mishandle him. We mishandle the things that he gives us. We mishandle the things that he um, bestows upon us. Right. We just we take it lightly as if that's what he's supposed to do. Amen. And I just think about, you know, we in this this series on inheritance. And I'm thinking I, I thought about my wife and how when her father passed and he left her an inheritance. She didn't want to spend the money because she felt like if she was to spend the money and the money was gone, then her father was gone. But I thank God for the Holy Ghost that he he gave us instructions on what to do. Amen. And it, and it was it was the, the blessing that her father left, as well as just uh, who my father is, that allowed us. To be in the situation that we in now where she doesn't have to go to work. Right. And, and, and it's just how the Lord just he, he just constantly is taking us higher. But I just that's not because of anything that we did. That's all just because of the Holy Spirit. Right. And oftentimes we don't consult the Holy Spirit and we end up mishandling the things that God has given us. Right. And so today I want to talk about the Ark of the Covenant. And I'm going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 6, but I got to give you the background or you won't understand the story by the time that I get there. And so here are, here are your scriptures, amen, for you to read. That's a lot of reading this week. So I know, I know most of y'all read two times at least anyway, so the third time won't hurt you. Because I know that you're getting it in every day, at least two times a week. Amen. And so, thank you, Brother Moran. Amen. And so Exodus 25 and 22 tells us what was contained in the ark. The ark contained uh, the manna from Exodus, right? When they were in the wilderness, it contained Aaron's staff, what God used to help deliver his people. 
And it also contained the stone tablets that Moses recorded the Ten Commandments on, right? That's Exodus 25 and 22. The other thing that we know about the ark was that you couldn't just walk up on it, right? You couldn't just you can just walk up on it and touch it. It was sacred. There were rules to approaching the ark. And if you want to read about that, that's Leviticus 16, 1 and 2, right? We also know that a certain tribe was set aside to not only protect the ark, but just to minister to everything that was in the temple. That's Deuteronomy 10 and 8, and that's the tribe of the Levites, right? And we know we did a whole series on Joshua, and so we know all of those times that they would carry the ark into battle or they would, or God would give them the instructions to let the ark go before you, let the word go before you, before you cross this river, before you come to this major intersection or point of your life. Make sure that the word is going before you. That's Joshua, right? So we know all of these things. And so they would carry this ark into battle or they were carrying into whatever situation that it was, thinking that it would either provide a way through or that it would save them or make them mighty. Right. But by the time we get to second Samuel, something changes. And what changes is they begin to forget the purpose of the ark. Right. They began to look at the ark as if it was God. But really what the ark was, it was God's presence. It was to remind them of God's presence. It was to remind them of that time in Exodus. It was to remind them of that time in Joshua. It was to remind them of the Ten Commandments. To always make them think about God's presence. Right? Well, they began to forget that and they began to just think that the ark was just like, oh, we could just throw this out here and use it whatever way we want to, and it's going to make stuff happen for us, right? And so I want to take you to 1 Samuel 2, 22 through 26 verse first. And y'all can remain seated. The word says that Eli was very old. He kept He kept hearing about everything his sons were doing to the Israelites and that they were even sleeping with the women who worked at the entrance to the Lord, to the tent of the Lord's presence. Y'all see that the Lord's presence. And so the ark was kept in a special spot in the tabernacle behind this curtain. And so Eli's sons, they were Levites. They were responsible for watching over everything in the tabernacle where they began to not take their job seriously to the point that they were sleeping with women right outside of the tent of God's presence, right? How can you live any kind of way in God's presence, like right there? Think about in your house. You're doing all kinds of stuff. Imagine God was your roommate in one of these rooms, right next to your bedroom, right in the guest room. You're doing all kinds of stuff, and God is right there next door. That's basically what they was doing. And so Eli heard that his son was doing these things. So he said to them, why are you doing these things? Everybody tells me about the evil you are doing. it. Stop it, my sons. This is an awful thing that the people of the Lord are talking about. If anyone sins against someone else, God can defend them. So if somebody do something against you, vengeance belongs to the Lord. God got your back, right? Eli is telling him, son, some, some wisdom right now. 
If you sin against someone else, God can defend you. But who can defend someone who sins against the Lord? How can you do something against God? Who gonna, who gonna have your back? When the only person that can truly have your back is the person that you're sinning against. But they would not listen to their father. For the Lord had decided to kill them. But the boy Samuel continued to grow and to gain favor with both the Lord and people. And I need y'all to understand that when you lose your respect for the Lord, God is already grooming your replacement. Right? When God gives you a position, when he makes you a steward over something and you start to mishandle that thing, you start to mishandle your family. You start to mishandle your, your relationships. You start to mishandle your job. You start to mishandle your responsibility. God is already grooming your replacement. Right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 4, right? Going back to this ark. Eli's son said, just began to do every kind of all kind of stuff outside the temple. Right. And the people began to use the ark as their lucky charm. They were surrounded by the Philistines. And they was like, we just going to go whoop these Philistines. Y'all pull the ark out. Pull it out. We're going to go out here and tear them up real quick. And we're going to be back home for the sun. He's like, they like they just knew they were going to all they had to do was pull out the ark. And that's what we do. We live any kind of way. And then we like when, we, when we're ready, we just going to whip out the word. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. And we start quoting scriptures and we decide for the first time in how many of a month to hit our knees or to, to grace the Lord with our presence in church. You ain't been all year. You step in one time and you just know you're getting ready to receive your blessing. You just know you're getting ready to get your breakthrough and you just been living all kind of way. Right. So they thought, the Israelites thought, we're just going to whip out the ark. We're just going to whip it out and we're going, to, we're going to defeat these Philistines. And so God has a question for you. Have you been using the word of God and his people as your lucky charm? The only time you call your pastor is when something is wrong or you need a prayer, you need a breakthrough. Or you don't call at all because you don't want to feel like the only time that you call is when you need something. Right? Right. Or we come to the altar looking for. But we have spent no time. We've just been mishandling his word. Right. A lot of times the very solution that we've been looking for, God has already given given it to us in his, in his word. And most of the time it's over and over. God keeps God been saying the same thing to some of us for five plus ten plus years. And we just been fumbling and mishandling it. Right? We in first, we in first Samuel, they had the ark going all the way back to Exodus. The word that that word, that, that reminder of his presence had been there for a long time. It wasn't new to them. Right? And so as I was writing, God was just saying, just continue. So throughout this whole series, I know y'all have seen this slide multiple times. God said we gotta get back to listening. To the Holy Spirit. And let me tell y'all something for everybody that think they hear the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, the Holy Spirit tells you to do stuff that you don't want to do. So for all of y'all with the Holy Spirit, the only thing he tell you is the stuff that you want to do. That ain't the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's you. 
The Holy Spirit telling you to do this and to move and to go there and all of these places. And you just bouncing around and around. And you've been bouncing around and around for the last five years and it still hasn't worked. My God don't make mistakes like that. We got to get back to actually living out and listening to the actual word of God. We got to remember that who, who is our actual deliverer. Think about the things that's in that, the stone tablets, getting back to his law, having no other God before you, right? No adultery. And we know that Jesus up that, right? So you might be saying, I ain't cheating up with, put the pornography down, whatever it is, the, the commandments, getting back to his law. You can't mishandle his word and then turn around and think you can whip it out and be blessed. Just because you're alive does not mean that you're walking in your calling. That's grace and mercy. Even the folks in the street who do who doing wrong, wrong now. And I'm not trying to categorize wrong, but y'all understand what I'm saying. Some people who don't even reverence God at all are still alive. That's grace and mercy. And so the next question I want to present y'all with is, because we're in this series on inheritance, why do people leave wills to carry out their wishes after they're gone? Right? Because they don't want to leave everything that they have to somebody that's not going to appreciate. Right? So now y'all might think I'm crazy when I say, so I got four kids. All of them ain't going to get the same thing. I'm telling y'all that to your face. Y'all ain't all going to, we ain't, ain't going to divide it up equally. <laughs> not if you crazy. <laughs> right? Not if you, not, not if you don't reverence the Lord. Not if you're going to mishandle it. I'm going to leave it to the sibling that's going to use what I left to do something for the kingdom of God. Right. A lot of folks won't say, oh, how you going to say, how you going to treat his children differently? I'm telling you. Why, why, why would God do that? And so what a will is, it is instructions. A will is instructions. This is what you're supposed to do. And so that's what the Ark of the Covenant is. This is instructions. This is a reminder. Because God knew, right, as, the further y'all get away from y'all deliverance, y'all going to start to forget me. The further y'all get away from Egypt, y'all going to start to forget me. So let me leave a testament. Right. He, he does this through our scripture. Y'all build a memorial. Y'all make a statue. Y'all like y'all. Y'all understand what I'm saying? He would instruct them to build something or he would leave something or give instructions. So that they would remember what to do the further they got away from those big moments in their life. How many of y'all have gotten away from your deliverance? How many of y'all have gotten away from when the Lord first saved you? How many of y'all have gotten away from when you had laid certain things down and now slowly you're starting to pick them back up? Right? And so now we come to, this going faster than I thought it was, but it's good. To me. So now we get into 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And so now... If y'all remember in 2 Samuel, now David is now David is king and he has been in Hebron for these years, and now Saul is dead, and all of the all of the strife over the throne is coming to an end, and he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, or he's in Jerusalem, and 
Now he wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the holy city. Because it's been in the tent all this time. Now David wants God's word to have a permanent place, to have a permanent home. And see, some of us, we need to realize, like some of us, we, we still living like we still living like we in the in the wilderness state. Right. We still like God does not have a permanent residence in our life. He, we, he's still in the tent. Right. David began to realize as God is establishing me, I need God's presence to be even more permanent than before. And the reason for that is because the higher you go in the Lord, the greater the devils come. So you need I, I, you need you need Jesus to be present. You need the Lord to be present at all times. And so David is like, OK, I need number one. We got to bring it. We got to bring it into the Holy Spirit. And then number two, I want to I want to build a house for it. Well, we know that David in the next chapter, we see that David is not going to be able to do that because David is a man of war. God said, I'm going to leave that. I, I need you to write that in your will for your son to do. Right. OK. So by the time we get to 2 Samuel chapter 6 and they are getting ready to bring the art in, the word says as they came to the threshing place. And I love threshing places, y'all, because that's when stuff gets broken. That's when God, like, he, he crushed something. Normally at a threshing, a threshing floor, God is trying to reveal something. He's trying to, he, he tries to break it, and then they would, they, after they would break the ground, they would throw it up in the air, and stuff would get scattered, and some stuff would fall to the ground, and other stuff would blow away. God does some separating. And a lot of times when God does separating, he wants you to know who's who and what's what. So the word says, as they came to this threshing place that the oxen stumbled, Uzziah reached out and took a hold of the covenant box. Now, the King James Version say the box was slipping. And he reached out his hand to stop the box from slipping. Right? At once, the Lord God became angry and killed him because of his irreverence. He died there beside the covenant box. Right? He died there. The word says that David was furious because the Lord had punished this man in anger. Right? If you read another translation and you study it, they say that's really not what David, David was upset with himself because David forgot the rules. <laughs> David was upset with himself because David forgot the rules of how this box should be transported. And because he forgot the rules, now this man has paid with his life. And I need y'all to understand that. As, a, as I was talking to Brother Roosevelt last night, and he recalled, he said, you one of the few ministers that I've heard that say it's a special place in hell for you if you don't do what you're supposed to do. Because I'm trying not to forget the rules, y'all. I'm trying not to forget the rules, and that caused one of y'all to stumble. One of y'all, I don't need that blood on my head. Right? And that's what happens when we forget the rules. We can't be on this Christian journey and just treat God like he like, oh, well, I don't feel like really doing that right now or this time, God. I'm just going to switch it up on. And then you, that's how we do. He put those rules in place for a reason. So when David saw this, the word says that David became afraid of the Lord and said, how can I take the covenant box with me now? 
And that's how we need to be. You might be saying that ain't a good thing, but that's what it means to have reverence. That's what it means to revere the Lord. When the Bible tells us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, it's not about being afraid of God. It's about having the proper respect for who he is. Don't take what God says so lightly that you just start doing any kind of thing. Or thinking that certain stuff don't matter. So David, now this is where he missed. David decided not to take it with him to Jerusalem. Instead, he turned off the road and took it to the house of Obed. And that's what we do. That's why I told y'all we got to get back to the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of times when the Holy Spirit tells us to do something that we do not want to do, we get afraid. We turn off down the side road. We like, God, I ain't going to follow you, but I just really can't. And I need y'all to keep in mind what's in this ark. The ark is the presence of the Lord. And that's what we do when we get afraid. We start trying to run from his presence. But the word tells us, if you read on, the word tells us when they drop the presence of the Lord off at this other man's house, him and his family just start getting blessed. David started to get reports. Obed getting blessed. David like, that's supposed, that's supposed to be in my house. Exactly. Exactly. If you want the presence of the Lord, you better bring it to your house. Don't drop it off at somebody else's house. So David goes back to get the ark. He brings it in, and as they bring it into the city, that's that's when the Holy Ghost falls, and, they, and, the, and, the, and the Bible records David dancing in the streets. Dancing in the streets. Now, I got something else to say about that, but that's another sermon for a later time. Amen. Because if you read on, his wife gets upset for him for doing that. Amen. And we know David was not good with the ladies. Amen. But he goes back and he gets the ark and he brings it into his house. And here's my last slide. Here's the closing, y'all. Here's the question. Do you want the presence of God in your life or not? Ask yourself that question. Do I want his presence in my life or not? Because if you want his presence, you can't mishandle his word. You can't change it to fit your you can't change it to fit your situation, right? Because let me tell you what's gonna happen when you when you're gonna be just like the word you're gonna reach out for the word and God gonna slap your hand. Right? Especially if you call yourself a Christian. And it that it don't have nothing to do with your past, and God can deal with that. But you got to understand that if you if, if you're if you're calling yourself a Christian and quote scriptures and doing all of this stuff, but you don't have any respect for the Lord, you're making him look bad. And that's why that's what that's. So in that situation, and I, and I left this out. Remember, I say they was just they were just pulling the ark out as a lucky charm. Well, really, what they should have been worried about was what I didn't tell y'all. The people who, who the people who carried the ark out into the battle against the Philistine with them two men who were sleeping with women outside the tent. So they shouldn't have been worried about fighting the Philistine. They should have been worried about the men sleeping with women outside of the temple. So y'all, some of them made that plain. A lot of times we be worried about everything that's going on around. Well, what's going on in your temple? 
What's out of place writing in your heart, in your house? What's wrong? Why you like what's wrong in your house while you trying to handle the word? You trying to preach to other people. You trying to encourage them and do all of this stuff. Well, what's wrong with you? What kind of trauma are you going through? What kind of what, what do you need delivering of and from? Why are you trying to handle the word? And that's why the Bible say that many are called. A lot of us got calling. But only a few of us are chosen to carry the word. Because let me tell you, if you're trying to carry the word and handle it and serve and do stuff, and you ain't living right, God already getting your, your replacement ready. Because the number one reason that a lot of people don't come to church is because of hypocrites. People who say one thing and do the other. And so we got to be careful. Our irreverent attitudes is what causes us to stumble before the Lord. You got to add, you got to start asking God, God, what's the most important thing for me to do right now? What's the most important thing for me to do right now? What's the most important place for me to be right now? What's the most important concern for my life right now? Go to him humbly, seeking, right? Stop just trying to rip, uh, whip out the word and make it fit your situation, right? Don't make it fit your situation. Apply it to your life instead. How about that? We love trying to put the word on other people and things, but put it on yourself. Apply the word to yourself. And watch how God wants, wants, he'll straighten it out. And so I close by just saying, y'all, don't mishandle. We get a lot of word at 3PD. And I'm convinced that all this word that we get, and then you go and try to do your own thing, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. I done seen it. I'm, I'm seeing it right now. And God has, he's brought me to the place. It's in Proverbs. I don't know where some Bible scholar can tell me. But it, the, the word just says, like, a person with wisdom don't talk. And God has brought me to that point where I don't even say anything anymore. Yeah. Right? People just make decisions. They don't even think to consult their parents. Not that I want to, not that I want to um, control people's life. Right? But if you're making a major life decisions and up until that point, all your other decisions ain't been good, it seemed like you would ask for help. So people don't ask for help and they make decisions. I just keep my mouth closed. It ain't going to work. Because you're mishandling his word. You're mishandling his word. And I close with this, y'all. And so, you know, this is a hard job. And my greatest fear is that, you know, I preach a message that's going to make somebody walk away from the Lord because pastor being too hard. He always bring me back. He always bring me back to, if I don't, I'd rather y'all walk away from the church house than to go to hell. Because Pastor Carter used to say, wherever you go, whether you leave this house and go join another, if you want to see Jesus, you're going to have to live whole. You're going to have to. Ain't nowhere else you can go and see Jesus and not live whole. Amen. Don't mishandle this word. Don't mishandle this word. Amen. Amen. Y'all come on and give the Lord a hand.